We make up horrors to help us cope with the real ones. Stephen King. Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. everybody welcome to violent vice i am john john and i'm audie hello if you haven't already please hit that subscribe button give us five stars and leave a comment so we can hear about all of your wonderfulness or possibly your scary stuff i don't think we mind either one i'd appreciate the wonderfulness audie would appreciate the horrifying things you might include but that's personal opinions so, Audie, I have a series of stories for you because this year has been kind of terrible. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would argue against that. But. I mean, in... personally, for me, it hasn't been that bad, but I know I'm one of the no. really, really lucky ones. True. I mean, it's been. Overall, I think we'd say overall for the world itself. It's been kind of a bad one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's always good things in the middle of bad stuff. But I believe these stories would help let people know that it always could be worse. Could be very worse. Oh, boy, I can't wait to get into them. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out none of these stories really mesh together in the exact same way so they aren't all from the same source and some of them have funny names for their authors which I think you'll enjoy but why don't we start things off with a story called I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away written by horror in pure form nice 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 I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is, that I am lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like undammed rivers. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel bad by pointing out that his boredom likely far surpasses mine, considering his confined to a dark room and an institution. I always begged for them to give him one last chance. Of course, they did at first. Charlie has been back home several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Every time without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged out eyes showing up in his toy chest, my dad's razors, found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street. Mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwater tablets. My parents are hesitant now, using last chances sparingly. They say his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normalcy, and to trick the doctors who care for him into thinking he is ready for rehabilitation. 
that I will just have to put up with my boredom, if it means staying safe from him. I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until he is back. The end. Nice twist. So it was really I, the other sibling. I know. It's just like he was already covering his tracks as a child and getting it on the other person. Who? Who? Imagine being the actual good brother. And having to go away for all these terrible things that you didn't do. Yeah, no, that would suck. Oh, yeah. For sure. It is. Still, though, it's kind of weird that the parents didn't even suspect anyone else. If it kept happening. Yeah. I don't know. That's a bit weird. But we got our next story lined up. This one's called Guardians. It's a bit more of a sci-fi one, but it's by Dark Alligator. Nice. Mm-hmm. He awoke to the huge insect-like creatures looming over his bed and screamed his lungs out. They hastily left the room, and he stayed up all night, shaking and wondering if it had been a dream. The next morning, there was a tap on the door. Gathering his courage, he opened it to see one of them gently place a plate filled with fried breakfast on the floor, then retreat to a safe distance. Bewildered, he accepted the gift. The creatures chittered excitedly. This happened every day for weeks. At first he was worried they were fattening him up, but after a particularly greasy breakfast left him clutching his chest from heartburn, they were replaced with fresh fruit. As well as cooking, they poured hot, steamy baths for him and even tucked him in when he went to bed. It was bizarre. One night, he awoke to gunshots and screaming. He raced downstairs to find a decapitated burglar being devoured by the insects. He was sickened, but disposed of the remains as best he could. He knew they had just been protecting him. One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He lay down, confused but trusting as they ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives, they weren't going to hurt him. Hours later, a burning pain spread throughout his body. It felt like his stomach was filled with razor wire. The insects chittered as he spasmed and moaned. It was only when he felt a terrible squirming feeling beneath his skin that he realized the insects hadn't been protecting him. They had been protecting their young. The end. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah like weird start to finish but it's just like i trusted you but oh it explains so much yeah yeah i don't know do you think you would just accept these gifts from giant insects that are just pretty very protective of you adi 
Maybe. I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, they make you breakfast every day, give you baths, tuck you in. That sounds great. Yeah. I feel like I would turn out very similarly with me if I was in such a situation. Yeah. Sounds super nice. Plus, they fully stopped a burglar. That's so really. True. Oh, yeah. So, okay, this next one is a bit different, a little bit more on the supernatural side of things. It's called Scene Red, The First Day of School by Zenry Howe. Everyone loves the first day of school, right? New year, new classes, new friends. It's a day full of potential and hope before all the dreary depressions of reality show up to ruin all the fun. I like the first day of school for a different reason though. You see, I have a sort of power. When I look at people, I can sense a sort of aura around them, a colored outline based on how long that person has to live. Most everyone I meet around my age is surrounded by a solid green hue, which means they have plenty of time left. A fair amount have a yellow-orangish tinge to their auras, which tends to mean a car crash or some other tragedy. Anything that takes people before their time, as they say. The real fun is when the auras venture into the red end of the spectrum, though. Every now and again, I'll see someone who's basically a walking stoplight. Those are the ones who get murdered or kill themselves. It's such a rush to see them and know their time is numbered. With that in mind, I always get to class very early so I can scout out my classmates' fate. The first kid who walked in was basically radiating red. I chuckled to myself. Too damn bad, bro. But as people kept walking in, they all had the same intense glow. Finally caught a glimpse of my rose-tinted reflection in the window, but I was too stunned to move. Our professor stepped in and locked the door, his aura a sickening shade of green. The end. Whoa. So the professor was going to kill them all. Oh, yeah. Number one, the person with this power, total sick fuck. Just granted, it's kind of neat to have a power like that. It's not exactly the most useful thing in the world, but I I don't know. That was a bit weird with them getting a rush out of stuff. Yeah. I don't know, Adi. How would, how would you react if you had some sort of ability like that? I don't know, like, you can't, I feel like at first you would try to, like, stop their fates once you figure out what the colors mean, mm -hmm. like, try to change it, and then if you couldn't, like, you might get more cynical about it like he was, mm -hmm. but, like, I feel like you might try to, you know, change it first, or a decent person would try to change it. Yeah, I, I would say so. 
Okay, so we're going to have to run a hypothetical by you on this one, Adi. Okay. Say you did try to change it, and you were able to change that color to green when it was red. Mm-hmm. How much more motivated would you be to lean into that stuff? A lot more. Like, okay. you mean like lean into like trying to change stuff? Yeah. Yeah, a lot more. Like way more or would you like get more choosy about that? Way more because like you have a purpose. Mm. See, I would fully try to be like full on gypsy woman type thing. It's just like I have predictions for you. You will live a long life. Don't you worry. But like somebody comes in with like a yellow or even like a straight red. It's just like I feel a disturbance. Something's going to end quite quickly for you. I am sorry. And then I'd be like, renowned as like a very accurate person with my predictions. I can make so much money off of that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only monetary value I can get out of that power. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that one was just a fun one to talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, this next one might be touching on your haunted building side of adventure. Nice. This one is called, They Got the Definition Wrong. By Loyu. That is a very weird spelling. L-L-O-I-U. Sounds right. Okay. It has been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I understand the sentiment behind the saying, but it's wrong. I entered the building on a bet. I was strapped for cash and didn't buy into the old legends of the hotel to begin with, so 50 bucks was more than enough to get me to do it. It was simple. Just reach the top floor, the 45th floor. Shine my flashlight from a window, and it was done. The hotel was old and broken, including the elevator, so that meant hiking up the stairs. So up the stairs I went. As I reached each platform, I noted the old brass plaques displaying the floor numbers. 15, 16, 17, 18. I felt a little tired as I crept higher, but so far, no ghosts, no cannibals, no demons. A piece of cake. I can't tell you how happy I was as I entered that last stretch of numbers. I joyfully counted them aloud at each platform. 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 44... I stopped and looked back down the stairs. I must have miscounted, so I continued up. 44. One more flight. 44. And then down 10 flights. 44. 15 flights. 44. And so it's been for as long as I can remember. So really, insanity isn't doing something repeatedly. And expecting different results. It's knowing that the results will never ever change. Mm 
that each door leads to the same staircase to the same number it's realizing you no longer fall asleep it's not knowing whether you've been running for days or weeks or years it's when the sobbing slowly turns into laughter the end that was kind of disturbing yeah I I really hope that that is not an actual place. Do you know? Because you might explore that. Yeah. Kind of. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the significance of 44 at all? Because like, I know like some people skip 13 because it's bad luck. And some people skip like 6 or something in some countries. I just, I, I'm not familiar with 44. I want to say that that's of Asian influence. I don't know, Japan, China, Korea, or whatever. But I feel like the number four is unlucky in any utterance of it. So, like, the 44th floor is pretty bad. But I guess, like, 40 itself may not be nearly. So, I don't know. I know there's some significance to it. But... I don't know. It's somewhere in the back of my mind. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. Gotcha. I don't know, Adi. How long do you think you could be going up and down stairs with no change? Not that long. <laughs> not that long? If it's been years, not that long. Ah. That's fair. what I meant. Still, though. Doesn't seem like it was worth that 50 bucks. No. Ooh. All right. I have our next story here. This one called, There's No Reason to Be Afraid by Whoever Fights Monster. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. When my sister Betsy and I were kids... Our family lived for a while in a charming old farmhouse. We loved exploring its dusty corners and climbing the apple tree in the backyard, but our favorite thing was the ghost. We called her mother because she seemed so kind and nurturing. Some mornings, Betsy and I would wake up and on each of our nightstands, we'd find a cup that hadn't been there the night before. Mother had left them there. Worried that we'd get thirsty during the night. She just wanted to take care of us. Among the house's original furnishings was an antique wooden chair. Which, she, which we kept against the back wall of the living room. Whenever we were preoccupied watching TV or playing a game. Mother would inch that chair forward. Across the room toward us. Sometimes she'd managed to move it all the way to the center of the room. We always felt sad putting it back against the wall. Mother just wanted to be near us. Years later, long after we'd moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse's original occupant, a widow. She'd murdered her two children 
by giving them each a cup of poisoned milk before bed. Then she hanged herself. The article included a photo of the farmhouse living room with a woman's body hanging from a beam. Beneath her, knocked over, was that old wooden chair placed exactly in the center of the room. The end. Ooh. Yeah, no, that one was kind of creepy. They thought she was helping. In reality, she was just trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is definitely bliss in that situation. Oh, for sure. They knew that from the start, they would have left instantly. Yeah. Still, though, it's always fun to think of, like, a friendly ghost. Yeah. I don't know. We watched Casper a lot as kids, and we always thought it was would be kind of cool to have, like, a Casper around. Yeah. Not the uncles, just Casper. Yep, just Casper. <laughs> <laughs> now, a bit of a content warning for this next one. It can hit some pretty dark notes. So... People that maybe aren't prepared for a lot of stuff or don't want to hear the most disturbing things out there, maybe skip ahead for a bit. It's called Warrior of God by KMA Pock. If God exists, why is there so much evil in the world? It's a common question, but it is misplaced. All things must have balance, light and dark, good and evil, sound and silence. Without one, the other cannot exist. So if that's true, then God does nothing to fight evil, right? That might be your follow-up question. Of course he fights evil, relentlessly. I am Dartalian, one of his most holy and righteous angels. I roam the earth disposing of evil wherever I find it. I kill the monsters you don't ever want to know about. I crush them completely so you can sleep at night. You humans have no idea how many of you live because of the work I do. But what about Stalin, Hitler, Ted Bundy, Jack the Ripper? Well, those are the minor ones I had to let live, for balance. The ones I destroy are... Too horrible and vile to survive. What's funny is, while I would wager you never have heard the name Dartalian in any religious text, I bet you have heard of me. Americans, for example, have their own name for me. Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. The End. I mean, cool concept, but, like... Yeah, it's more of, like, that thinking of SIDS as a preventative measure yeah. instead of the tragedy that it feels like might be a bit of a trigger for some people. Yeah, no, I'm not quite sure I really like that one at all, but, yeah. No, but it's it's a creepy concept. Yeah. I don't know. 
one of the creepier ones in this place. But next one, also a bit on the religious side. Might question some existential horror for this one. It's simply called Hell, written by Mean Pete. There was no pearly gate. The only reason I knew I was in a cave was because I had just passed the entrance. The rock wall rose behind me with no ceiling in sight. I knew this was it. This was what religion talked about, what man feared. I just entered the gate to hell. I felt the presence of the cave as if it was a living, breathing creature. The stench of rotten flesh overwhelmed me. Then there was the voice. It came from inside and all around. Welcome. Who are you? I asked, trying to keep my composure. You know. The thing answered. I did know. You are the devil. I stuttered, quickly losing my composure. Why me? I've lived as good as I could. The silence took over the space as my words died out. It seemed like an hour went by before the response came. What did you expect? The voice was penetrating but patient. I don't know. I never believed any of this, I uttered. Is that why I'm here? Silence. I continued. They say the greatest trick you ever pulled was convincing the world you don't exist. No. The greatest trick I ever pulled was convincing the world that there is an alternative. There is no God? I shivered. The cave trembled with the words. I am God. The end. It's a weird concept to think of. Yeah. No, that is weird. It's just, I mean, in a sense, the devil does punish those who are bad and rewards those who are good. But that they are the same is really weird. I don't know. I, I think if that one was taken seriously, it could mess with some people's heads. Yeah. Still, though, to, like, know you're dead, you're in essentially a giant empty cave, smells terrible, and all you can hear is a voice. It's creepy. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. 
Very strange. I agree. This this one might also mess with you, but in a very different way. This one's called Next Time You'll Know Better by I Post at Midnight. Nice. <laughs> at least you know when his posts come out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever walked into a room and found a vampire? No, not the sexy kind, but a foul creature with bony limbs and ashen skin. The kind that snarls as you enter, like a beast about to pounce. The kind that roots you to the spot with its sunken, hypnotic eyes, rendering you unable to flee as you watch the hideous thing uncoil from the shadows. Has your heart started racing through your legs? but you still can't move them? Have you felt time slow as the creature crosses the room in the darkness of a blink? Have you shuddered with fear when it places one clawed hand atop your head and another under your chin so it can tilt you, exposing your neck? Have you squirmed as its rough, dry tongue slides down your cheek over your jaw to your throat in a slithering search that's seeking your artery? Have you felt its hot breath release in a hiss against your skin when it probes your pulse, the flow that leads to your brain? Has its tongue rested there, throbbing slightly as if savoring the moment? Have you then experienced a sinking, sucking blackness as you discover that not all vampires feed on blood. Some feed on memories. Well, have you? Maybe not. But let me rephrase the question. Have you ever walked into a room and suddenly forgot why you came in? The end. Nice. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that one was good. <laughs> not where you thought it was going, was it? No, not at all. <laughs> Still, though, it's just... It's a pretty good explanation. A fun one, at least. Uh, maybe not a fun one, but a weird one. But an explanation for it. Yeah. All right. I've got another one with some religious undertones from it. It's simply called Fallers by Dastard82. People started falling from the sky by the close of the decade. They were never clothed, always naked, always a petrifying grin on their faces. It had been just a few at first, but then hundreds and thousands would fall at a time, destroying cars, homes, blocking off highways. Strange discoveries were made upon research. They were human, but lacked any blood, intestines, even a heart. No one could explain the hideous grins they had, or even where they came from. It was a woman in Costa Rica who made 
the latest and most disturbing discovery. She recognized one of the fallen bodies as a long-dead relative. One who died back when she had been a teenager. Then more and more identifications were made. Soon people were picking out their long-dead loved ones amongst the video feeds, cadaver piles, and crematoriums. No one could explain why they were coming back, falling from the sky. Even more distressing, after disposing of the bodies, it wouldn't be long until the same body came plummeting from the sky again. You could not get rid of them, no matter what. People were getting killed by the higher volume of falling bodies, and soon after burial, they too began to fall. My mother was killed when a body landed on her car, crushing her. The next week, the news reported on a body that had gotten lodged in an airplane windshield. I saw my mother's grinning face, the happiest I had ever seen her. They say when hell is full, the dead shall walk the earth. What about heaven? The end. That's a bit unsettling. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just messes with you. Yeah. It's, ugh, ugh. He's weird. Still, though, no explanation for the grins. The missing blood and organs and stuff like that. It's when you bury somebody, that's kind of normal. Yeah. But the grins is different. Yeah. And, like, you just bury them and suddenly they fall from the sky. I have a feeling that somehow the military would try weaponizing that. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Very grim, but if it's happening everywhere. Yeah. I'm sure they would find a way to do something with that. It's crazy. I don't know, Adi. Are you finally getting unsettled by stories I tell? Not scared or anything, but like they're a little weird and creepy. Okay. Maybe I'll find some scarier stuff. Well, I have two stories left, Audie. Nice. And I need a drink of water. Okay. <laughs> so this next one is called The Eyes Are Watching Me by Reclutus. Nice. Hmm. I bought a new house in the small town of Winthrop. The house was cheap, but the most important part was that I needed to get away from the city. A few months ago, I had a run-in with a stalker. While I had managed to get him arrested, I couldn't shake the feeling of eyes just constantly watching me. I felt like they were eyes everywhere, at home and on the street. So I decided to move out into the country to somewhere with less people, just for peace of mind. The house itself was big and somewhat old, but otherwise very welcoming. 
the agent who introduced me to the house had been required to mention that a serial killer had lived here in the past, which was why the house was so cheap. However, he, and later, my next-door neighbor Sarah, both told me to pay the thought no mind. Four other owners had lived in the house since then, and all of them were very happy with it. I loved the house. Its interior furnishings were beautiful and very comfortable. The people of Winthrop were friendly, often bringing over freshly baked pastries or inviting me over for dinner. Get-togethers, they said, were the key to making sure everyone who lived in Winthrop loved it there. Yet after a week, I stopped loving it. The feeling of something watching returned, worse than before. I tried to ignore it, but soon I started losing sleep. Giant bags grew under my eyes, and I began yawning almost as much as I breathed. Sarah was kind enough to let me stay in her house for a few nights. It was during this time that I heard the legend of Forrest Carter, the serial killer who had lived in my house. While no one knows his exact kill count, Carter, also known as the Winthrop Peacock, was a man with extremely severe case of narcissism. Legends say that he couldn't fall asleep if he didn't feel like he was being watched. He was finally arrested for putting up a scarecrow to watch him during the night, only it wasn't a scarecrow. Carter had murdered a 17-year-old girl, just so her corpse could stare at him. The story gave me shivers, and after I went home, I felt like there were hundreds of pairs of eyes just watching me, no matter how I turned. Today, however, was the first day that I acted out. I was cooking breakfast when I felt the eyes. Instinctively, out of fear, I threw my kitchen knife, which lodged itself into the wall. As I pulled it out, I found myself staring at a pair of eyes, pickling in formaldehyde. I've been watching the police peel away the drywall of my house for hours now. So far, they found 142 pairs of eyes and little glass jars. The scariest thing is, each and every one was staring at me. The end. Nice. Mm. I figured that one was going to be super creepy. Yeah, no, creepy as in, yeah, stuff's actually watching you. And they're pickled. And they're in the walls. Which is really, really weird. It's like, how did they get there? And how did nobody smell it? Yeah. I mean, formaldehyde's not exactly scentless. Yeah, but if it's in jars sealed. I mean, you've been in the science rooms at high school and middle school, and you can tell that just around that there is a small smell. I know, but, like, it's also sealed in the walls, like they said. Well, with that many, somebody could have... And they found a body. Oh, yeah. it's just I have criticisms galore about the Winthrop police. Yeah. Ugh. How did the other people sleep in that house? I don't know. Hmm. I th- still think what was watching her before too. 
if the eyes were always just on her before she moved there. Oh. It's creepy. Anyway. Tangent for myself. My last story I have for you, Audie, is a message from your personal demons. Oh, nice. I'd love to hear what they have to say. Written by Mr. Garm. Garm. Nice. (laughs) Hello, my dear. You do not know who I am, but I know you. I am one of the three demons that were assigned to you at birth. You see, some people in the world are destined for greatness, destined to live happy, fulfilling lives. You, I'm afraid, are not one of those people. And it is our job to make sure of that. Who are we? Oh, yes. Of course, how rude of me. Allow me to introduce us. Shame is my younger brother, the demon on your left shoulder. Shame tells me that you're a freak, that those thought you haven't those thoughts that you have are not normal, that you will never fit in. Shame whispered into your ear when your mother found you playing with yourself as a child. Shame is the one who makes you hate yourself. Fear Fear sits on your right shoulder. He is my older brother, as old as life itself. Fear fills every dark corner with monsters, turns every stranger on a dark street into a murderer. Fear stops you from telling your crush how you feel. He tells you it is better not to try than let people see you fail. Fear makes you build your own prison. Who am I, then? I am the worst of your demons, but you see me as a friend. You turn to me when you have nothing else because I live in your heart. I am the one who forces you to endure, the one who prolongs your torment. Sincerely, Hope. Sleep well. The end. That was an interesting concept. A little bit. I'd say hope without reason, maybe. But mm, shame and fear are pretty spot on, though. Yeah. I do like how it's like written in like a cheeky letter. Yeah. <laughs> I had fun reading that, if you couldn't tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's, I don't know, that's more of like a deep analysis put into a small story. I don't don't think, I don't know. That makes me think a lot of different things. And I wouldn't mess with my mind more than anything else. So, that's why I saved that one for last. Gotcha. So, Audie, which one of those stories 
was your favorite, least favorite, and one you might tell Matt next time you talk to him just to freak him out? No. Um, I think my favorite, at least the most, I guess, disturbing one was the eyes. Hmm. The least favorite was the infant death syndrome. Yeah. And then the one that I might tell Matt is probably the eyes one, but the uh, personal demons was kind of cool too. Mm. Well, if you want to find those stories, I'm sure we'll have that full link with all of these stories and a few others on our blog with this. Personally, my favorites, I think the elevator one, the uh, 44th floor one, I'd say was my favorite. Uh, least favorite, I, I'd say the SIDS one is a close second, but the least favorite I think would be the two brothers where one was the bad one and the other good one was the one sent away yeah and one i'd like to tell matt hmm hmm i didn't think of how difficult that question would be until after i asked it hmm i think like the brother one would be a good one to tell though too because that's creepy it is I might just tell him the one about the person going through hell. Because I feel like that one might mess with him more than the average person. Yeah. But, by the way, Matt is Adi's fiancé, if you don't know already. Yes. Hello, sweetie. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> hey, he accepted the terms and conditions. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, I know. I, I'm more just concerned about his heart health. <laughs> just how much you like to make me feel weird. I'm sure he gets it tenfold. Yeah, I, I did put him through a lot of scary movies. Mm. You're a terrible person. It's fun. <laughs> sure. But that's all I have for today. Very nice, John. John, very yes. very disturbing stories. Maybe very leave nice. a leave a comment about which one was your favorite, which one you think maybe could be better. Mm -hmm. Or if maybe you have any that. creepy stories, send them our way. Ooh, I wouldn't mind reading them. Yeah, that could be a fun episode. Yeah, we can start doing listener stories. That would be great. Ooh, I like it. So, Adi, do you want to take us out of here? Yeah. If you have listener stories or you want to contact us, you can do so at vileandvice at gmail.com. You can also do a once-off donation, which we would be very, very grateful for, at PayPal at the same email address, vileandvice at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do at vileandvice or Instagram at vileandvicepodcast. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can also do so at Violent Vice. And if you want to go above and beyond, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Violent Vice, where you get to hear bonus episodes. And maybe John John might read a few more of these for a bonus episode in the future. 
we'll see. But uh, you get to hear me scare John John with a bunch of creepy stories. So yeah, I deserve some payback. Yeah, and that's at any amount that you donate per month. Uh, you get to hear all those, so that's pretty fun. Just for a single donation, you can hear more of my pain. Yep. Um, but we really appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Reback. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash violinvice. Or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.